Thank you for listening today to our podcast here at Word of Life. We're delighted that you tuned in. And I pray that while you hear us talk, you hear the Holy Spirit speak. I know God's got a big plan for you. We're excited to be a part of that plan. Hopefully we will see you sometime soon, maybe even this weekend. Until then, we pray you have a wonderful, wonderful week. How many of you know God has plans for you? And he wants to do a great work in you, but he also wants to do a great work for you. Uh, And so we're excited about this. We want to pause real quick. Can we at Lakeland give it up for our campus over at Highland Colony? We love you guys so much. God's doing amazing things over at that campus. We're right at 500 people who are worshiping there now every week. It's amazing, and uh, we are so excited to have you worshiping with us. And then at both campuses, can we give it up for our online campus that is worshiping with us? Uh, we love you guys so much. We can't wait to see you back. And, and here at this uh, campus, we're looking to go to two services in the month of February, uh, going back to the 1130. So we have 10 o'clock and 1130. We're going to pick a weekend. We'll see how it goes. But we've had to have an overflow room um, with social distancing and all those kinds of things uh, going on. So that's exciting. We'll have even more space in the month of February. In February at both of our campuses, we're starting a brand new series called A Timeless Love. And we are going to talk about uh, relationships and marriage. It's going to be one of the funnest series we have ever done. Now, how many of you know it's good to have fun in church? Uh, That Jesus was anointed with the oil of joy above his brethren. Uh, That Jesus, yes, had a very serious side and a meditative side and a prayerful side. But Jesus also was the one who told the story of the prodigal son where there was Jesus joy and rejoicing and a party, and it's because joy is not a luxury. It's not a luxury for church. It's not a luxury for you. If you're here today, joy is not a luxury. You have to quit treating it like it's a luxury. Joy is a spiritual necessity. Uh, And so um, out of these things, uh, we're going to have fun. Uh, It's going to be a very creative series. It's it's probably the most creative series we've ever done. And we will have these fun series periodically throughout the year uh, for you to strategically invite people to these series. Now, you can invite them to watch online or you can invite them to come in person at one of our campuses. But I really feel like it's just a word in due season speaking to people on the subject of relationships. I believe a lot of healing is going to come, a lot of wisdom is going to come, and it's just going to be a a good time. And so I want to encourage you to make sure uh, that you guys are here for that, but also be thinking about who in your life who in your network of people needs to hear a message like this, needs uh, the Holy Spirit to begin to work on their hearts with this issue, uh, and bring them uh, or invite them to watch online. We've got Levi Lusco, uh, who will be coming uh, and uh, teaching us as well during this series. So it's going to be a great, great time in the month of February. So with that in mind, let's open up our Bibles today. We're actually going to, to open up with the book of Luke, and Luke was my last scripture I was going to turn to. But we change that around and we'll make it our first. We're going to Luke chapter 4 and we're going to look at a passage of scripture here. And uh, if you didn't bring a Bible, no worries. I'll also have it up on the screens. We're looking at Luke 4 and verse number 16. Uh, Now it says here that when he came to Nazareth, he being Jesus, uh, where he had been brought up, meaning where he was raised, 
as his custom was, and I like this, apparently Jesus' parents had the habit of bringing Jesus to church. Uh, There's something special about assembly. And I am so thankful that we see light at the end of the horizon with COVID, where all of us can come and assemble again without uh, fear, uh, because nothing replaces assembly in our Christian walk. Uh, It's wonderful to watch online. It's wonderful to have, um, you know, all of these digital things. But there's just something about coming together and assembling. And I love us getting back in the custom and getting back in the habit of that. Jesus had that custom, and he went into the synagogue, which was his version of the church, on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. Now, watch what he reads here in verse number 17. And there was delivered unto him the, the book of the prophet Isaiah, and when he had opened up the book, he found the place where it was written and where it says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and the recovering of the sight to the blind and to set at liberty them that are bruised. Keeps going here to preach the acceptable year of the Lord, which was the year of Jubilee. And verse number 20, and when he closed the book, he gave it again to the minister and sat down, and the eyes of all uh, of them were in the synagogue were fastened to him. They're staring at Jesus. And verse number 21, and he began to say unto them, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. This day, this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. Now, Israel operated on a season of Sabbaths. Uh, So if you're unfamiliar with what Sabbath is, it's on the seventh day you rest. Now, this was not just done to give God's people a rest. This was done as an act of faith. That so oftentimes what we think we need to produce more results is we need more works. That if I tried harder or I was better, I could see more. And God was trying to train his people of, no, you have to yield to me. In fact, I'm so serious about you yielding to me that I want you to take a day and do nothing. I want you to take a day and be with me. I want you to take a day and walk with me. And while you are resting, I will be working. Uh, And when we preached on the Sabbath, we said that, you know, all throughout Jesus' ministry, uh, people would criticize Jesus because he healed on the Sabbath. And they were entirely missing the point. Jesus healed on the Sabbath. And Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen who? The Father. Uh, Somebody says, can you see God? Yes, you can see God. God has a face. It's the face of Jesus. God has a name. It's the name of Jesus. If you've seen Jesus, Jesus said you've seen the Father. And we see this process of the Father God was showing his creation what he does on the Sabbath. I heal on the Sabbath. Sometimes you need to do a little less so that you can see God do a little more. Sometimes you need to step back so that you can see God step in. That faith is not always active. Sometimes faith is sleeping on the boat while the storm is all around you knowing God is not going to let you sink. Faith is a rest. So God commanded this Sabbath, and on the Sabbath, he said, while you rest, I'll work. While you rest, I'll work. While you rest, I'll heal, I'll bless, I'll protect. Have the courage to rest. Well, not only would Israel rest every seventh day, they would also rest every seventh year. 
Every seventh year, they would pull back from some labor and believe that God would bless the land, that God would replenish it with nutrients, and nutrients, nutrients, uh, that God would come back in and enrich the land, and it was a time to really rely on God. Now, so when you do this every seventh year, if you do it seven times, you get over to the 49th year. And when the 49th year was over and the 50th year began, they labeled it the year of Jubilee, the year of the acceptable uh, year of the Lord, this moment where God is coming and moving on behalf of his people. And so in this year of Jubilee, the reason why there was so much jubilation is because God came in and released his people and set them free. There was a release of debt. There was a release of healing. There was a release of prophecy. Property. There was a release of God's people from bondage. Every 50th year was the acceptable year of the Lord, the year of Jubilee. And based off of this release, they would get jubilant. They would get rejoicing. They would get praising. They would get excited based off of what God had done in this year. Now, here's what's amazing about this is we see Jesus come, find the place where this is written, where, you know, this time when captives are being set free and here's good news to the poor and the broken hearts are being mended and all of these kinds of things. In the middle of him talking about this, he makes this reference of, and from now on, you don't have to wait for the 50th year. And from now on, you're not going to have to wait for this cycle to kind of come around and, you know, hold on long enough until it does. The reason why all the eyes were fastened on Jesus this day is because when he read this scripture about the acceptable year of the Lord, he sits down and says, he pulls a power move, man. He sits down and says, and this day, this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. I am your year of jubilee. What you had to wait 50 years for, I am here right now. And the same thing that year did for you is the same thing I will do for you. For you, because whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Now, here's what's amazing. In the Old Testament, they had to wait for Jubilee, and then they would rejoice. In the New Testament, we rejoice, and we see Jubilee, because our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, he is absolutely 100% voice activated. Now, here's what we're getting at with this, this, this teaching and what we're getting at in this series is that God is the potter, we are the clay. And that if we just simply put ourselves in the right position, God can fix anything about us. God can change anything about us. And, and I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you, Heiko. I want to encourage you, uh, everybody who's watching online. There's nothing in your life that our great God cannot change. I don't care if it is drug addiction. My, my father was a drug addict. I, I don't care if it is a lack of education. I, I don't care if it is like all of these other types of things that war against our souls and our life. Like God can set you free from depression. God can mend your broken heart. God can turn your financial situation around. There is nothing our great God cannot do. He is awesome. And awesome is his name. And so we, we have this God at our disposal. And what God says is, I just need you to yield to me. 
And when I, I got to approaching like the end of this sermon and, and the end of this series, I knew like there's no way I can teach all of these things to you and not disciple you and teach you in this. Uh, Jesus is voice activated. Now, I, I didn't even intend to uh, uh, make that statement or that line until I got to the 8.30 service at Heiko. I was in worship, and I remember this story of we had, uh, uh, this was years ago, couples come over to our house, and we were just entertaining because as a pastor, it, we're, you're actually called. If you want to be a pastor, no, this is in the job description. You must be hospitable, which means you have people in your house. Uh, and little did I know how many people I would have in my house. Uh, not just come to it, but never leave. Uh, so like, out of that, like we have a cycle of people who have lived with us over the years, but we have people over our house uh, a good bit practicing that scripture of being hospitable. Uh, and so out of that, we have uh, get-togethers at our house and fellowships. And anyway, uh, we had some couples over, and there was this gentleman who was just country. How many of you are thankful for some country people? Like, I, I just genuine, I'm not. I want to be, like, I, I want to. Like, I get out there, and I get on the four-wheeler, and I feel country for a minute, and then I remind myself I am not. Like, like I, I just, I'm not. But I love country people, like people who really know the elements. Like, I, I love it. Uh, and so, you know, this guy is, is so country and in the best way. And he's at the house, and he's at the, the refrigerator trying to get ice. Uh, so, and it's not even like a new updated refrigerator. Like, it's just a basic one. But it's got the feature on it, you know, where you can hit a button, and it'll switch from, you know, cubed ice to crushed ice to water. Uh, so some of you may know what we're talking about. Well, he keeps uh, uh, pressing this, this thing, and all he's getting is water. And so he's like, this thing, I want ice. I don't want water. And my wife is a genius, like, in, in every way. But she's really smart and witty with, like, uh, sarcasm. <laughs> and so out of that, like, I came from a family that, like, your word is your bond. You don't joke with your words. You don't goof off with your words. You say what you mean all the time. She came from a family where if you spent hours getting dressed and, like, you feel like a million bucks, you walk out, they're going to look at you and say, golly, you look ugly tonight. And what they actually mean is you look beautiful. Like, that's, that's what they mean. And everybody in their family, like, laughs and, like, oh, thank you. I'm like, did you not hear what she just told you? I'm like, I'm, I'm getting offended for my wife. I'm like, she worked long for that. Like, like I mean, like, she, she really, I, I bought that dress. I know how much it costs. What are you talking about? You look ugly tonight because I take everything serious. And she's like, oh, thank you. I'm like, don't tell them thank you for that. And, and what I realized in her family, and it took a minute, was that actually meant you look beautiful, that you look, you know, ugly actually means the complete opposite of that. So there's like sarcasm. So she has trained me in those arts, and now I'm a little bit better at it than I was uh, when we first got married. Uh, so out of this, uh, she is watching this whole situation play out, and she looks at this guy, and she tells him it's voice activated. And I look at her, and I'm like, oh, this is great. Because uh, everybody is kind of watching this play out because he's made a big deal that no ice is coming out. Uh, and he's getting frustrated. And so she's like, oh, it's, it's voice activated. And he's like, well, what do you do? He, she's like, you, you have to say, like, if you want ice, you have to say ice. And it'll give you ice. And so he stands in front of it, looks at it, and says, ice. And goes back, and water comes out. He's like, what? Well, 
She's like, well, you didn't say it loud enough. And he comes back and he's like, ice! Uh, and nothing happened. He's like, ice! Nothing happening. Ice! Nothing happening. Keeps getting water, keeps getting water, keeps getting water. And so she's like, well, maybe you need to get closer. And he comes up to it. He's like, ice! And like, nothing's happening. So she comes up to it and, you know, she gets real close and she doesn't, he doesn't see that she's got her finger like on the button that changes it. And she, she changes it and says, ice. And here comes all this ice coming out. It's like, oh, I just, that's why I don't trust technology. Like all, all of these kinds, I'm like, it's not the technology, buddy. It's the user. Uh, so, so anyway, uh, my, my point is, is he was convinced that this fridge was voice activated and it was not. But I'll tell you something that is voice activated, and that is your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He will never save you unless you call out to him for salvation. But if you call upon his name, he is voice activated, and he will save. When he went into his own hometown, he's there performing all of these miracles before he comes. And he comes into his own hometown and he wants to do a mighty work. Like he wants to come in and do some powerful things. These are the people he grew up with. These are the people he knows their stories. He knows their pain. Like there's some people in your life that I know, but you know them so much deeper. And so you know their real issues and you know what they're really struggling with. And so Jesus knows intimately the struggles of these people. And he comes in from all these other cities with all these miracles behind him. And he comes back in and he starts preaching about what he wants to do in their lives and telling them like what he wants to do in their lives. And, and while they're listening to this, they turn to each other and they say, who in the world does he think he is? And they begin to belittle Jesus and come up with this, well, it's just Jesus and like we know him, and wasn't he not like the son of Joseph, the carpenter, and like who does he think he is? And here you have Jesus who wants to come in and do mighty works, but the Bible literally says he could there do no mighty works save that he lay hands on a few sick folk and heal them. Now, the Bible didn't say he wouldn't do mighty works. He said he could there do no mighty works. Because if you don't call Jesus healer, he can't heal. If you don't call Jesus provider, he can't provide. By your words, Jesus said, you will be justified. And by your words, Jesus said, you will be condemned. And what I know in this season is like we're, we're taking time to surrender ourselves more and more to God. We, we talked about this last week of, of surrendering our, our finances to God and surrendering our, our bodies to God and even surrendering our minds to God of coming into this place where we're giving God more. But here's what I know, like as you sit on the potter's wheel, if your words keep going in a different direction than the potter wants to take your life, your words are stout against God because God calls you free, but if you call yourself bound, you're working against the potter. God says you have the mind of Christ and you keep saying, I just don't know what to do. You're working against the potter. God says you're blessed in the city and you're blessed in the field and you say, it just seems like nothing's working and it just seems like it's all stacked against me. You are working against the potter. And what I want is for you to go in the same direction. Now, one of my favorite scriptures on this is found in the book of Matthew. So let's go over to it. We're in Luke. Let's turn back a couple of pages and let's look at Matthew chapter 8. 
uh, and they'll put this on the screens as well. Matthew chapter 8, and we're going to look at verse number 8. Now, in, in Matthew chapter 8, there is a gentleman here who has a need in his life that he knows God must intervene. He's got a centurion, a servant who's at the point of death, and he knows he needs to see God move, and so he comes to Jesus, and he tells Jesus about the need, and when Jesus hears it, he says, I will come and heal him. Well, after Jesus says this, the centurion says this to Jesus, and it said, the centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but speak the word only, speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. Now, notice in this passage of scripture that the centurion believed that words could be containers, and that Jesus' word could be a container of healing. The Old Testament said he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their fears. Words are containers. You can fill your words up with life, or you can fill your words up with death. And the centurion has a revelation of this, that words are containers. And so, Jesus, you don't need to come under my roof. Just send the word only, and my servant shall be healed. Watch what he says next in verse number 9. For I am a man under authority. We'll come back to that. Having soldiers under my authority, and I say to this man, go. He goes. To another one, come, and he comes. To another servant, do this, and he does it. Now watch this next verse. This is one of my favorites. When Jesus heard it, he marveled. Now, can you imagine Jesus marveling at anything? Like, this word marvel literally means like, oh! Like, I mean, like, out loud, shock. Like, it's not like eyes get big, and it's like, huh, that's something. It's like, oh my! Like, oh myself! Like, you know, like in this moment, it's like, this is amazing! Like, what? He has this moment where he marvels, and watch what was so impressive to him about this. And he said unto them that followed, meaning all his disciples, he says unto this, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in all of Israel. Now, the New Testament teaches us without faith, it's impossible to please God. And Jesus saw faith in this story so clearly that when he heard it, he marveled. Now, what was the concept of faith? Starts with, for I am a man under authority. Now, what we've talked about at the beginning of this series is this, is that everyone in this room, everyone at Highland Colony, everyone online, everyone, is under the authority of something. And when you're under the authority of something, it tells you to go and you go. It tells you to do this and you do it. It, it tells you to come and you come. Uh, there are people, and we said that we need to confront these things, but there are things that have control in our lives where sometimes even with food can take such a place of control that instead of us controlling it, it tells us to come and all of a sudden we're in the pantry. And it's like, why did I eat 18 Oreos? Like I thought I was just going to eat one. Uh, and this food tells us to, to do this and we do it. Sometimes we have apps that we've yielded to so much that it tells us to check it, and we wake up in the morning, and the first thing that we do is open up the phone and check it. It's become a Lord, because everybody is under the authority of something. You better be careful what you're under the authority of. Well, how do you get under authority? Whatever you yield to. 
The more you yield to something, the more authority it exercises over your life. The more I yield to drugs, the more drugs have authority. The more I yield to a television show, that television show can make me go home. That television show can make me open up Netflix and hope at work, my workstation no one is noticing I'm actually watching it. Like that, that show can take such an authority over us that it tells us to do something and we do it. And Jesus said, like, here's what I want you to do is I want you to have this concept of faith where you notice anything that's become your master and you say, no, and I only have one Lord and it's not fill in the blank. It's the Lord of Lords. It is Jesus. And so I will stop yielding my life to this and I will yield myself unto God. So I have these moments where instead of doing this, I'm worshiping. Instead of do, listening to this, I'm listening to worship. While instead of doing this, I, I'm giving myself to prayer and meditation and church and all these things. And the more I yield to God, the more I come under God's authority. And this is what God wants for each one of us, is that we come under the authority of God. But that's just the first side of faith, is I first must be a person who is under the authority of God. But then the next side of faith is I have to use my authority. And the way you use your authority is this. Four questions I want you to ask as we approach 2021. Like we're here at the start of it. Here's four questions I want you to ask. Number one, what authority am I under? And if it's not the Lord, if there's any other thing that is telling you to do this and you find yourself doing it, to come and you find yourself coming, to go and you find yourself going, that if there's anything like that that you need to confront, that you confront it and say, no, I only have one Lord and it's not any of these things. I am under the authority of Jesus. So that's the first thing. But then the next thing I want you to ask is what do you want to come? When this guy is giving Jesus this revelation of faith uh, that Jesus marvels at, he says, I say to this one, come, and he cometh. What do you want to come in 2021? What do you want your home to be filled with? What do you want your, your marriage to be filled with? What do you want your relationship for, with your kids to be filled with? Call for those things to come. Uh, what do you want to see go? What would you like to see go in 2021? Like, I, I would like to be free from fill in the blank. I would like to see this leave my life. I, I would see, like to see this leave off my children. Like, I want to see this go. Uh, and what would you like to see happen? What do you want to see happen in 2021? Like, answer that question and begin to speak in that direction. Uh, if you've ever been around firearms, um, maybe you've been around someone who uh, had it for the first time, and they're walking around, even if it's unloaded, with the rifle like this, and you see, like, everybody in the room ducking. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, don't point that at somebody unless you intend to use it because there is life and death in that firearm. Like, you have got to be careful where you point it, and if you don't intend to take it down, don't point it in that direction, because there is life and death in that firearm, in that weapon. And God comes to us, and he says, look, the most powerful thing in your life is about an inch under your nose. It is your mouth. 
and your mouth has the power to bring life to a marriage or death to a marriage. Your, your mouth has the ability to bring life to a body or death to a body. Your life has the power to bring life to a nation. Your mouth can bring life to a nation or it can bring death to a nation. Your mouth can bring life to a city or death to that city. It can bring life to a child. And some of you have seen this. You got sharp with your words around a child and you could see their countenance fall. Because life and death are in the power of the tongue. Jesus, one day, he's walking by a fig tree. And when he sees this fig tree, he's expecting to find figs on it. And he goes up to it because it had leaves, so it should have figs. And he walks up to it, and he's disappointed by what he sees. The Bible says that he looks at the tree and makes sure his disciples are watching. He looks at the tree, and he curses it and says, No man eat fruit of you from here on out. And the disciples heard it, the Bible says. Well, the next day they go into the city and they're ministering and they're walking back out. When they're walking back out, they see the fig tree that he cursed. And they're shocked. They're marveling now. And they're like, Master, the fig tree you spoke to, it withered up from the roots. And Jesus comes back with a phrase, and this is the way I, I like it. This is the way I would phrase it. This is the way I say it. He comes back with this. Well, what do you think would happen? You can't curse it and expect to be blessed by it. Oh, come on, somebody. You can't curse it and expect to be blessed by it. If you want to be blessed by it, you can't curse it. If you want to be blessed by that job, you can't be cursing that job. If you want that relationship to be a blessing to you, you can't curse that relationship with your mouth and then expect it to magically be filled with love and peace and joy. No, no, no. If you want to see it multiply, you've got to bless it. Because Jesus, when he was disappointed with the tree, he cursed it and it withered up. But when he got five loaves and two fish in his hand that he needed to see multiplied, that it wasn't enough. He didn't take what was not enough and complain about it. He didn't take what was not enough and, and, you know, be upset about it. He took what was not enough, lifted it up before the Lord, and he blessed it. And what he blessed, it multiplied. You can't expect to be blessed by what you curse, but you can expect that what you bless, it will ultimately multiply. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. I want to encourage you, so many people undo their praying with their saying. They're praying and they're asking God for healing, but then they talk sickness. They're praying and they're asking God to like fix their marriage, but their words about their marriage are harsh. Uh, it's bringing death to a relationship. They pray and they ask God for like deliverance from heaviness, but then they talk about how heavy they are. Did you know all throughout Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, you see Jesus coming with, I am. I am, I am, I am. And you know what he never ended it with? I am so frustrated with these disciples. I tell you what, I don't know what I'm going to do with them. I'd like to kill each one of them. Like, they make me so mad. And you, you just you do it one more time. And I tell you, you're going to see who I really am. I'm just so tired and vexed. I'm just so frustrated and irritated. I'm just so, you know, I'm under today. No, you'd see Jesus saying, you know who I am? I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Jesus answered the I am question well. And you've got to answer that question too. Who are you? I am free. I am redeemed. See, all, all in this room right now, we, we spent uh, a lot of money and invested a lot of money into this room, and same at Heiko. And out of that, the thing and the expense that honestly irritated me the most is, and you can barely see them, 
uh, but they're all in the ceiling and all around the back and uh, on the side walls back there, and it's these sound panels. And they look gray, and they're kind of wrapped with fabric, but on the inside is like this special technology that cancels uh, sound and grabs it, and it stops the echo in the room. See, what, what happens is, is with a lot of hard substances like a stage and like some of these other things, sound will bounce off of the, those hard substances, and people would sit in a service and say, well, it's really loud. And it's not that it's, not, uh, it's, it's really loud. What's happening is, is you're actually hearing the words twice because the sound is bouncing off the wall and coming back to you. So that's what an echo is. It's words that just keep going. So you buy the sound paneling and, and put it up in these churches and rooms to catch the sound and to mute the noise, to stop the echo. And in your life, there are words that constantly keep going. And I want to encourage you, have you noticed that your kids probably match the words you speak about them? That the quality of your marriage probably matches the words you've been speaking about it? That how well the job is doing probably matches the words about the job? And God comes back in Genesis and he's like, have you seen what I did? Like I had this chaos and I had like this, this absolute moment where the earth was nothing like the way I wanted it. And instead of cur cursing the darkness, I called for the light. For I am the God that quickeneth the dead and I call those things that be not as though they are. And out of this chaos, God formed beauty. And then he made man in his own image and his own likeness. And he said, I'm giving you a gift. And with this gift, you can bring life or death. The gift that I'm giving you is the power of the tongue. James put it this way, that your mouth is the rudder of your ship. And if you want your life headed in the right direction, you got to get your mouth in that direction first. If you want your health headed in a direction, you got to get your mouth in that direction first. If you want your church headed in a direction, you got to get your mouth headed in that direction first. But here's what I know about Jesus is that what he's looking for in all of our lives is for us to surrender his authority more and more at the start of this year, but to also use our authority more than we've ever used our authority before. I believe that God wants to release us into the promised land he has for us, the promised land he has for this church, and the promised land that he has for you. And the children of Israel, all throughout their walk to, to the promised land, they have this moment where they won't come under the authority of God. He would ask them to do something, and they do the complete opposite. They would not yield to his authority, and it cost them. But they also didn't understand the power of their authority. And they come, and they get close to the promised land, and you know the story. They send Joshua and Caleb over into the promised land, and they come back with this positive report. It's a land that flows with milk and honey. We are well able to take it. God is with us. And yes, there's issues there, but it's nothing God can't handle. But then 10 other spies came back with this negative report, and all they talked was the problem. All they talked was the walled cities and the giants, and it bred fear in the hearts of the people. 
And so these people began to talk and they began to say, like, it would have been better for us if we would have stayed there and it just looks like none of this is working right and we'll never make it into this promised land. And Joshua and Caleb try to steal the people and they're like, no, God's with us. And they got so mad at the positive people, they wanted to stone them. We don't want to hear that right now. Just let us be in this state. Let us be upset. Let us be despondent. Let us be rejected. Let us be in this condition. And the whole while they're talking, they don't realize that God is listening and he has the power to bring them in. But in the book of Numbers, he comes and he tells them this statement. They'll put it up on the screens. Book of Numbers. Say unto them, this is God talking to Moses. As truly as I live, saith the Lord, as you have spoken in my ears, so will I do unto you. As you have spoken in my ears, so will I do unto you. As you have spoken in my ears, so will I do unto you. And here's the thing. When they're saying this, when he's saying this, they weren't praying, they were saying. They didn't know they were talking to God, they were just talking. They were talking to each other about how rough it is, how tough it is, how it just looks like it's awful, and it'll never turn around. And after this, God gets up and says, unfortunately, it cost every one of you the land I wanted to give you. But there's two people who are getting in this land, Joshua and Caleb they had a different spirit in the face of negativity they didn't curse the negative they called for the positive in the face of overwhelming odds they stood up and said but I know God is able to overcome whatever is coming against me and out of this spirit of faith God says they will see the land what's interesting to me is that Moses was not included in this if you understand the story you understand why that for years Moses looked to his rod as its place, his source of authority. There came a moment where they were out in this wilderness and had no water. He asked God, what do I do? God said, stand on the, the, the rock and hit it with your staff. And when he hit it, water came out. And they found themselves in another situation where they were in a dry and barren land where it looked like it wouldn't get any better. And God came to Moses and he said, what do you want me to do? Or, or Moses came to God and said, what do you want me to do? God spoke unto Moses and said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to call all of Israel around the rock. I want you to get everyone around this rock. And I want you to stand on it. And I want you to speak to the rock and command the water to come forth. And Moses stands on that rock and he looks out at all the people, but instead of speaking to the rock, he hits it. Nothing happens. So he rears up and he hits it again. And when he hits it again, water comes billowing out from the rock. And it's this moment where people are rejoicing. But God speaks to Moses and he says, because you did this thing, you will not inherit the promised land. What God was trying to teach him was the authority that I've really given you. It is not in that rod, the authority I've given you. It is in your mouth. And the reason why this matters is because the Old Testament paves the way for the New Testament. And in the New Testament, our rock is not found in Israel. We've got a rock that the builders rejected. He's the chief cornerstone. He's the rock of all ages, and his name is Jesus. And this world was in a dry, barren, broken, despondent place. And Jesus came on this earth, and he was smitten with a rod. And on that cross, that stick, mercy flowed to every person who would ever want it. Healing flowed to every person who would want it. Riches flowed to every person who needed it. God came, and he said, I will smite my rock so that water can flow. 
But from here on out, you don't have to smite the rock again. He doesn't have to come and be crucified again. He doesn't have to come and be hit with your sin again, with your mistakes again. No, that already happened. You don't have to hit him with a rod. All you got to do is speak to your rock. And if you will speak to your rock, water will flow and touch every aspect of your life. And what we need is all over this place is what we need is from people to stand up and say, Jesus is our jubilee. When I don't know what to do, I'm not going to sit there and say, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I'm going to stand up and say, I'm speaking to my rock. Christ has been made unto me wisdom. I have the mind of Christ. The Holy Spirit is my teacher. He will show me what to do. Well, it just seems like it's not going to fix. It's not going to turn around. It's like, no, 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 no. God is a God of breakthrough. Just like he opened up a Red Sea, he can open up this just like he delivered them he can deliver me looking at the forefront of this year in 2021 what do I want to come what, what do I want to see happen what, what do I want to see go standing up and speaking using your authority for the kingdom of God and to establish what God wants for you I want to encourage you today, speak to the rock. Let your words echo, words of faith echo over your children, echo over your business, echo over your life. Years ago, the Lord spoke to me and my wife and and really dealt with me about the way we were talking over our children. We get in bed and just complain about it. Get in, what's wrong with them? And just talk, 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 talk. And the Lord dealt with us. If you want to see that change, you have to change what you say over them. Grab them by the face and speak life into them. I remember we were in a situation where we were so frustrated. There were some things going on that we couldn't control. It didn't seem like. And and things just aren't, you know, happening that we couldn't control. And it just looked like, and we'd get in bed, me and my wife, we'd just complain about it. You ever complained about something? I mean, just get in there and complain about it. And that's when God spoke to me that phrase of, if I curse the fig tree, why were the disciples expecting to eat of it? And all you're doing about this situation is cursing it. And if you keep cursing it, how can you expect to be blessed by it? If you want to see it multiply, you've got to bless it. You have to open up your mouth and call it graced and call it favored and call it redeemed. He said, what you complain about, you'll lose grace for And if you want more grace for this situation, you have to stop complaining about it. Life and death are in the power of your tongue. And those that love it, they will eat the fruit of their words. I don't know about you, but I want our words sweet. Amen.